do you want to start? What do you want to school me on first? Uh, you don't like the you don't like the evolution. Oh man, I don't follow know. Up. There, here's the, here's why. All right, so I, I don't know if that 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 episode might be out by the time this goes up. Maybe, but it, in the case that it's not, let's just suffice it to say that I was on a podcast. You were there as well, uh, and somehow the topic of evolution came up, and I had some gripes about it. But due to circumstances, it will become clear when people listen to the episode. I was not at my best because what? I was. I'm slightly, uh, you know, I'm not going to say starstruck, but it, like I was off, I was off kilter because it's like, it's like when you first meet somebody and you make a fool of yourself. Are you a little more sympathetic to me now? A little bit. Why? Who, who do you meet that's like that? I never see you meet the celebrity people that you meet. You do it secretly. If well, you're no, but John, John's, then... well, let's just say it. Uh, well, well, not John, but uh, whoever else we were talking to is a handful. <laughs> <laughs> you're so bad. I thought you wanted to, whatever. Uh, anyway, um. What, and, you know, I expect you're not going to come out of the gate and be like, you know, you, you when you uh, meet somebody who you've, like, known from afar for a long time and, and admired and everything, you're not going to be at your best. So, I whatever. Like, people will hear the show. They'll see how I did. I thought you, know. you did great. I thought you were very, I thought you were very courageous. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. You, call, you called anyway. him on the carpet on a lot of his computer stuff. It was good. No, it's not. That's not really one. Anyway. Whatever you don't get, like I knew it was gonna. I was excited to do it. I'll do it again. Maybe I'll do better on the tenth try. Whatever. But uh, it was. I had fun. But this particular topic, I think it got derailed because both of you like took offense. So like, oh me, no, how could you say that about me? I think me? we and both then, wanted. We both wanted to needle you. Mostly. And then it, then it became a joke. But of all the things for you to get offended about, you're like, oh, I would never. <laughs> That's so indignant that I should think that you. Well, s- s- setting this um, <clears throat> extant or non-extant episode of another program aside, I am interested in. Your thoughts on, well, however you want to present it, but my, my, my sense is that you have a beef with how people use the word and the concept evolution. Yeah. I, how, how would you frame I, it? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make another run at it. And because, you know, if I really wanted to get it right for a second run, I'm trying to do here was like I'm more comfortable here. You know, we've done 10 of these, like I'm kind of, you know, settled in or whatever. Uh, but if I really wanted to take another run at it and get it right, I would probably have to try to write something down first. And, but I didn't do that. I'm just going to make a second attempt without any additional preparation, which may or may not be wise, relying entirely on my slightly increased comfort here to do a better <laughs> job. Um, so the the gist of it was that when – I'm not going to focus this on you and anyone else because that's that's a, that's a sidebar. When most people talk about we're just We're just instances of the problem. Yes. It's a very, very common problem. Most people talk about evolution – they can't help, and even even me to some degree, because it's very difficult to talk about if you don't do this. Can't help but personify, uh, not not so much personify, but but uh, talk about evolution as if it's a as if it's a thing, a force, uh, an entity, an intelligence, a will, uh, kind of like fate or like any other thing that you can say. That like you know, uh, evolution transformed this uh, this animal from this shape into that shape, or ev- evolution you know wants to do this or this thing, this even if you just do it, take it away one degree removed. Uh, these birds evolved to crack these nuts, like they, they evolved to be immune to this thing or whatever, which is technically still kind of correct. But you're still the idea is that there is some kind of human-like intelligence, purpose, or will involved. That evolution is an actor. That it does things right. That that a creature evolves to some purpose. So like you know, this thing evolved in this way. Uh, to to do a thing, um, which sound again sounds perfectly like well, isn't that what it is? Isn't that totally what the evolution is? But it's it's ever so slightly off, and as it gets discussed more and more, especially by enemies of evolution, but in, but including by proponents, 
it starts to become this thing that it's not. And what I always like to think about is uh, evolution as a concept. The reason we have that word and have that discovery and have, you know, Charles Darwin as a famous person for discovering this thing or whatever, like it's evolution is not even a thing. Evolution, the only reason we have that word is because human nature is uh, without this, this quote unquote discovery or whatever. Human nature is to apply will to everything we see, uh, you know, to apply malevolence to bad like things. Will and, or, or intentionality? Will, intentionality, purpose. Purpose is maybe better. Purpose, like, to, to, to apply purpose, because we understand the world right. through the lens of us who feel like we, feel like we have purpose. Maybe a little bit of design. And do, th- and do things with reasons or whatever. So mm-hmm. everything else in the world must also have that kind of will and purpose. And it was super pervasive, like, that, the, you know, everything, you know, back from... The, the 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 weather being an omen about people and the seasons and the sun god and all the spirits in the trees and the animals and just like everything has a purpose because that's the lens through which you know it's like well when i do things i think i have a reason and everything else in the world must also be reasoning and it's just you know and we've scaled that back over the millennia as in okay not, not every single thing is like uh, uh doesn't have some sort of spirit guiding it and not everything that happens in my life and in the weather and if you're born with a birthmark that means you're you know you're cursed or whatever and if some a rock falls in someone's head it's an omen and if the the bird looks this way that means the crops are going to fail like you know we've pulled back from that but in general that is the nature of our pattern matching mind is to try to uh, to, to understand the world through the lens of how we see it right that's the only reason you need evolution because for the longest time the question of how the hell did that bird's beak get so stubby and good at breaking nuts or whatever is had, had a reason. It's like, well, there must be a purpose there. It was created that way. It, uh, you know, it was there was, uh, you know, or the bird really wanted nuts and that made its beak get shorter. Right. Like that, that was that was the default explanation, because what other thing could there be? The only reason we needed the word evolution is because someone said, actually, that's just what happened. There is no intentionality there. There's just a series of birds that, you know, pass on their genes. Some are born with longer bills. Some are born with shorter ones. It just so happens the shorter ones are a little bit better getting nuts, have a slightly higher chance of, of, of surviving to reproductive age and taking care of their child birds. And you keep repeating that process. And eventually uh, the, the beaks get shorter and there's no intentionality. And we need a word for that because the default is, well, of course, something designed it that way. Or of course, the bird willed its beak to be short. Or of course, th- th- like there is a purpose behind it. And we need the word for the for the opposite. We need the word to say, no, that's just what happened. Like, if you had just sat back there and watched, you would have said, look at this bird, measure its beak, watch its life, see how many kids it has, see how long they start. Like, you, if you just watched what happened, it's like, this is just what happened. Evolution is just what happens, right? There is no intentionality. But we needed a word for that because so incredibly dominant is the idea that there is purpose and intentionality between, uh, behind every single thing that we needed a word for the op- opposite of it. Um, and... That, that's something I that's why I, I cringe a little bit every time I hear someone is especially like evolution supporters attribute to evolution a purpose or a mind or a or like or that it's fate or that it is even not even just intelligent like I, I don't want evolution to be an actor or a verb in a sentence I always want to you know I wish we could just not have that word and just be like you know anyway that's that's my crappy rant on evolution and yes you do it on podcasts a lot and yes some of your co-hosts do it on podcasts a lot and i understand you know intellectually what it is but it's very easy to fall into the trap when casually discussing evolution to subtly shift things over so that it is 
the uh, the magic being evolution versus the other magic being whatever, rather than say, rather than just saying it is everything else we make up versus just what happened. I I I think I uh, I take your take your note, but I think I still barely understand exactly what it is you mean. Like, what's an example of? So part of what you're saying is don't use evolution incorrectly, but to the extent possible, just don't use that word. Is that kind of what no, you're no? Saying? I'm saying don't use it incorrectly, but I, but what I muse about very often is like the absurdity that we needed a word and we needed someone to quote unquote discover. I mean, I guess you know you're discovering genetics, and you know even before they knew what DNA was like. Doing the basic science to say to explain these things by like, all right, so this is just what happened, but why does it happen? Why does the bird with the slightly shorter beak have children with slightly shorter beaks? And it's like, oh well, you know, there's a formula that makes the bird, and the the two birds get together, and the formula is mixed, and the next one has a, a, a reasonable chance of both of the parents have short beaks that also have a shorter beak, and blah blah blah, and then all the way up to Watson and Crick, and like those are all important scientific discoveries and everything, but the fact that it would just we just existed for so long without anyone. Uh, everyone accepting the default explanation is someone just says, let me just look at them and see like, uh, you know, something that has a short enough life that I can watch and see what happens and, you know, have, have theories like, it seems like, you know, if this would, this would explain everything we see like that with the isolated islands where the animals are isolated from each other and there's different food sources and different, you know, pressures and you could see it happening. You're, oh, I see. And in the extrapolating from that and saying, that's, that could, that explain, that could explain everything we see. Right. And coming back and saying, Eureka, uh, there is no purpose or intentionality. It's just what happened, guys, and I call it evolution, right? Uh, it's, not, it's not anyone's fault for using the term or anything. It's just I, sometimes I just think of it as absurd. Like, if viewed from a distance, if aliens came and, and viewed the, the, all of human history and go, they came up a word with a word for, uh, it's not magic, guys, it's just what happened. Uh, and I feel like we should be slightly embarrassed as a species that, that that's, <laughs> that's the case. It's not, it's not a note for people to change how they discuss the topic. Well, hmm. I, I understand the part where people talk about evolution when they really mean improvement. Like you took, you know, the uh, the iPhone evolved. Well, no, what you really mean is like this is a faster <laughs> oh. iPhone. All the iPhones are just put out in the wild, and then uh, the predators pick off the weak ones. Then, That's right. The other ones, the the other short... ones, the other ones reproduce by bumping into each other. And <laughs> excuse then, me, uh, excuse me, tactic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's why they have short beaks. But um, I mean, so I've never read Darwin, um, but is there are there times when people say evolution when they mean adaptation or natural selection? Do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's you know terminology. I'm, I'm not being picky about terminology. I'm just saying like. It, it, very often, I'm trying to think of a good example, but it always galls me when I hear it of someone uh, like, especially if it's within, we want to use a shorthand and saying like, well, you know, uh, this dog, uh, you know, evolved to be a better swimmer. I'm like, that dog is only going to be as good a swimmer as that dog is. That dog is going to die, right? Maybe that dog's children, you know, may have uh genes that make it a slightly better swimmer than its parent and if swimming is selected in the current environment then blah 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 blah. like the idea that evolution is something that uh that a a single being can have like that a single thing is born and then over the course of its life it evolves no it doesn't like Hmm. it's it's evolving like its genetic code is its genetic code and it will have children and so on and so forth like that thing and the second thing is talking about a species and like you know but the the clever tree frog evolved to uh, to thwart this plan. There's, it did not evolve to thwart the plan. Like the ones that couldn't thwart the plan died and didn't have, or slightly had a slightly lower chance of having their offspring live to reproductive age. And like we repeated that process, and the only ones that were left, like 
the frog as it's like it's trying to like trying to say like the yankees baseball team when every single person involved in the organization has died seven times over over the course of things it's still the yankees uh at least there's intentionality there but anyway this species of frog didn't evolve to do anything it's not like a species of frog has like a board meeting goes like guys we're, we're getting killed by these birds we really need brown yeah, spots but, but, but isn't there i mean unseen hand is obviously a, a, a crazy term for this but 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 what is it that makes um but that's the whole thing. The unseen hand was like the the idea that there's a frog boardroom. They go, we really need to have brown spots, and and because the foliage here is brown, it's not green. So we're green, and we're getting killed by these birds. So we really need, really need to just but how, how concentrate, do guys. How do chameleons develop the ability to uh, have their colors alter in different? you know uh yeah no it's, it's exactly the same thing it's like we you know like the chameleon like it's like we're, we're always one color but our background keeps changing and the predators can see us what we really need to do is figure out how to weigh like there is no collective chameleon you know what i mean yeah, but then, like, then how did it how did it happen that's the that's the magic of evolution as uh, everyone says right now like the magic that, of evolution right. so it, i mean it's the same thing with like how could, how could you evolve something as complicated as the eye and all this other stuff like there it, it, it's sometimes difficult to figure out the, the mechanisms by which it happens but like the whole idea behind evolution is stop trying to find some kind of magical reason there is no frog boardroom uh and and if and basically to accept as the premise like that natural selection can explain all the variety we see and then it's like okay smart guy how does it explain x how does it explain y and sometimes it's difficult to figure out how it explains x and how it explains y but if you start from from the premise that like you know our theory of evolution can you know does the evidence fit our theory yes uh can our theory predict what future things will look like yes let's keep running these tests and also can we explain how we got to the things that we have now so the chameleon one like you know, it's, these are complicated topics. I'm sure a biologist who's an expert in lizard can show you all the little life forms that are still existing. That's usually how they go by. Some life form that's still existing that shows these different uh, characteristics. The first one to have this kind of cell that can change color or texture at all. Why would those have survived in the environment and the other ones didn't? And then eventually all of them have that color changing cell mm-hmm. and they just evolve. But, you know, with like, like and you... And that's why it's so fantastic. You're like, well, certainly someone made that chameleon because look at it. It's crazy. Like, that. certainly that is, couldn't have just happened. But you know time is really long uh and there's a lot time for a lot of lizards to be born and die and for uh environmental pressures to select for different attributes and you end up with some weird just look at australia for crying out loud you end up with some weird stuff i think you're a nihilist is what i think no that, uh, it's not an insult and, and because well yeah, i like to say nihilist anyway because mm. <laughs> uh, that's the evolution of nihilism yeah because this all happens on a time scale that is all out of whack with the human lifespan except for in the cases of like bacteria and and other things that we can study more easily that have short uh generational cycles or that we can simulate on a computer uh it seems like it doesn't happen at all like it's it's so natural to come into the world and just think well everything is the way it is and it was obviously created by somebody because it's not uh, how else could a zebra just spring into existence where do these chameleons come from like it you know it's the breakthrough in thinking is sort of a uh a triumph of whatever the opposite of ego is to stop believing that the entire universe operates on the with the same mental model as humans have and on human time scales and realize right. that it operates on much bigger time scales and just because we feel this way doesn't mean the entire world is made up of things that feel like we do and so on and so forth anyway i don't want to get too deeply into this that's that's my one little minor pet peeve so, about evolution so okay but but when a new bird feeder comes along that that is that is tested and believed to be squirrel proof and a squirrel figures out how to get into it. What, what, what level are we talking about there? 
Squirrel was always that smart already. Squirrel was mm. using that same Squirrel was using that same brain to figure out how to not to fall out of trees and how to escape predators its entire life. And just because like, well, we made something, we're super uh, smart humans. It's the conceit, the conceit of the humans. The squirrel figured it out. That means the squirrel the squirrel has evolved intelligence. It was uh, the squirrel was already this. I mean, obviously, you know, the baby squirrels are dumber than the grown-up squirrels. Like brains, you know, get grow, you know, you have a kid. <laughs> they, they get smarter as you get older, but we hope so. It's not as if anything happened to the DNA of that squirrel when exposed to a plexiglass cylinder that we made. <laughs> like, oh, now my DNA is altered and I've been so, bitten yeah, by a radioactive smart spider. I, I still barely understand any of what you're trying to say, but I do get the idea. I'm getting the idea, though, that it's, it, at least it sounds to me like part of what you're saying is that there is a, not egotism, but there's a certain kind of, um, mm, what's the word I'm looking for? That like humans, and given what we know, what we think we know and the time scale, that we end up um, something like anthropomorphizing. We, we try and find a, like a story about how this works. It, it's natural to do that. Like that is just, because that, well, that's that how sort we of, evolved. Yeah, that sort of pattern matching nature of trying to look at things and, and come up with a plausible explanation based on what we know of the world. And what we know of the world, we know the most about ourselves and our own, you know, like what motivates us? Why do we do things? Or at least why do we think, we, you know what I mean? And so if we see something that happens, we don't have any other explanation. We can say, well, you know, the sky was angry that day, my friend. Uh, what was the sea was angry that day, my friend? Not the like an old man in a deli trying to return a bowl of soup. Oh, the bowl wasn't in there, but so close. Was that was that close? Like an old man in a deli trying to like an old man trying to return soup at a deli. That's I believe, it. Is, is the full <sighs> thing. Anyway, that is one of the greatest lines in all. This. You have evolved to be really good at knowing quotes. I have. I because every night I go be good at quotes, and then when I wake up in the morning, my DNA has changed. I used to spend a lot of my nights with the hidden hand. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> Military school. You know what? It's bunks. a shame. <laughs> Whoa, I like head, this song. Head to feet. Uh, hmm? I mean, that's right. <laughs> Your memory is so weird. <laughs> yeah, I can't well. believe what you forget and what you remember. <laughs> it's See, so bizarre. Day, my friends, is, it's very important, but uh, last episode of the show not is not cemented in yet. I think you don't remember what you say, but you remember what you hear. I'm putting it very bluntly here, but your tendency, I think, from what I can gather is if you've heard something, you're much more likely to, uh, to, to – that's your emotional language. I think it's the, the – uh, what I kind of physically visualize uh, memory as, speaking of weird pattern matching and applying the world that we know, is like, uh, like ruts in a road from wheels going through the, the same grooves over and over mm-hmm. again. So the more you listen to it, the more it wears in those grooves. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you get old, you know, whatever, your hippocampus gets all screwed up. And no matter how significant something is, it never wears in grooves and you forget everything. But you can still remember what happened in, like, 1942. And you're old. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, so there you have it. Uh, I don't know if that was you. I, I just wanted to take a second run at the other. No, no, absolutely. I, this is a forum for that. I want you to feel comfortable here. <laughs> I want you to feel free to bring up anything that's, you know... Uh, going to be going to be useful and edifying. Yeah, anything that will offend our listeners after all right. Well, after all we'll the faith see. talk. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> trying. I'm trying not to. I'm just trying to be me. But like you know, people get angry. Mm-hmm. I understand that uh, you should do you. I've heard, I've heard that. I've heard that. Where does that come uh, from? I don't. I, that bothers me. I don't like it. It's, it's it sounds silly. You do you. What that mean? Uh, you know what it means. It's a pretty good expression as far as uh, slang expressions go. Don't you think? 
Yeah, as long as you don't look at it too closely. It's got a nice symmetry. Uh, people hear it and they understand what you're getting at. It's vague enough that people can apply their own things to it, but there's not really a, a bad or wrong interpretation of it. It's right. fairly positive. Yeah. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, like as as pop culture BS, it's great. I just I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> like you know, well you know what if what if you use Himmler? Yeah, I know. So I'm saying the worst. You got to go right there, don't you? But the, the worst. <laughs> it's always right here next to me. Right here. I know. It's right. Yeah. Oh, I got to pull up the World War II deaths page in about three seconds. To start I just, the clock. I just wanted to protect the children. <laughs> yeah, but like, like any uh, affirmation, like anything that is telling people believe in yourself, uh, don't listen to the critics, blah blah blah. That kind of advice, which most people desperately need, mm-hmm. uh, including me, uh, can always go awry. If you know, want to find if you're Himmler, like believe in yourself. What you're doing is sometimes you shouldn't believe in yourself, but for most people, mm-hmm. you should totally believe in yourself uh, much more than you do. But every once in a while, if you were to give uh, those people, you don't need that advice because they are ego ego maniacs, right? You're, you're exactly right. It's like when you have a brainstorming meeting and like one person does like 85 percent of the talking and brainstorming. Yeah. There's no bad ideas, but we've had enough of your ideas. <laughs> there's no bad ideas, but there's a quantity limit. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Andrew Carroll of NCH Tax and Wealth. You can learn more about Andrew right now by visiting cpaandrew.com slash relay. That's cpaandrew, one word, dot com slash relay. This is a simple ad about a difficult thing. Working for yourself and paying taxes can be a nightmare. Trying to understand how to get all your paperwork and tax stuff in place is the last thing you want to have to deal with when you're trying to just make the thing that you want to make. Very distracting. It is really easy to pay too much and to just screw the pooch. Maybe you're a freelancer or maybe you have dreams of being an independent content creator or you're just tired of trying to deal with all this tax nonsense. Well, this message is for you. Please meet our friend Andrew Carroll, CPA of NCH Tax and Wealth. He's a big fan of all the great shows and turns out he's also Relay FM's accountant. So you know he's good people and he has the solution for you. He's written a new ebook called The Freelancer's Guide to Escaping Taxes. It's all about how to understand what you need to do to make sure you're being efficient and effective with how you deal with taxes, getting things in place properly to avoid issues down the line. It will help you pay as little tax as possible. Andrew believes that business should be simple, so he has made this free guide for people who want to learn how to make their freelance tax life easier. In a nutshell, it breaks down how to simply and legally reduce your taxes with step-by-step instructions that anyone can follow. Also, Andrew can help you with almost anything related to business, taxes, or investments. So if you're a freelancer, you need to grab this guide right now by going to cpaandrew.com slash relay. That's cpaandrew.com slash relay. And hey, just a quick tip. You can also follow Andrew on Twitter as at cpaandrew. Hey, our thanks to Andrew Carroll for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. I was just talking to a, a client person the other day about that. And whenever, whenever I'm talking to somebody about coming to do a visit and a talk and, you know, the kind of skunk works behind the scenes, like, you know, preparation and management of that. I mean, I'm always really actively trying to manage expectations about, you know, about what, what they can expect to go well about it. I'm always trying to drastically lower the expectations because there's always this, there's this implicit expectation that like, I'm going to show up and give a, a talk in the manner of the way that this person likes this person who has probably heard maybe dozens of hours of me talking in a way that they find agreeable, that I'm going to like show up at their company, nobody's or their organization, nobody there has any idea who I am. 
let alone <laughs> agreeing with my wackadoodle ideas. And then I'm somehow going to like be able to inspire them in like 40 minutes in a way that this person was inspired over a hundred hours. So one thing I'm always trying to drastically dial down is that like, I always want to make that expectation like lower and lower and lower. Like if we get out of this without going to the emergency room, this will be a good first date. You know, that's yeah. Like I, I always wonder what, uh, people expect like the outcome to be like maybe they if you Me ask too. Them that. I, I try to I try to ask expressly like what, what you know what do you, what do you think because my my feeling is like you know there's all kinds of ways little secret ways this could be a good I'm not sure why I'm bringing this up but like th- this could be a good visit for you because you can find out like first of all who your potential co-conspirators might be like who might you know who might be interested in these kinds of these big kind of changing ideas but you know it's hard to evolve a company and, and you'll <laughs> and, and then you'll find out. Uh, and that's that's fine because people do control companies for the most part anyway but uh th- what you'll prop i can imagine if it went amazingly well and you were like at your most sort of uh i'm not gonna say svengali like but most influential let's say yeah. uh a whole bunch of people would quit after hearing you talk i <laughs> like know that, i know like, that's the, like you know what i mean like you would have opened their eyes and when they open them and l- when they open them and look around they'd be like i'm out of here if this goes great everybody will be in hr crying today <laughs> Right. And then most people will leave uh, and, uh, you know, they'll go they'll go be a monk or they'll go start uh, creating doorknobs. I still I'm looking at doorknobs on my on Web pages that are in the background here because I've been looking for them. But that was something I saw on TV. I don't know, in the 90s, maybe some guy who I don't think he had had a corporate job and quit it. I think he had always done this. But his job was he he sold doorknobs. Hmm. Uh, and he was really into doorknobs and he had a lot of different kinds of doorknobs and he specialized in understanding the history behind doorknobs and if you were looking for a doorknob he could find the ones that you wanted this was his job and i remember looking at that this was the 90s and i looking at that and going that guy he's got it made like that's the life he'll always have you know? a job but you know because right? he has made he has made a place for himself as a yep. guy with doorknobs he clearly likes it doorknobs are not going away in his lifetime he he is all set wouldn't it be great to be the go-to doorknob guy? And like, you know, doorknob, I guess doorknob technology could change. He was more like into the, the sort of the older ones or whatever, but... He's got one foot in the past. Like he's seen a lot of stuff come and go in the doorknob space. He, he has watched the, the changes in the doorknob vertical over uh, the years. I, I don't even know if he's looking at them. I think it was just like, uh, you know, old-fashioned. And he wasn't that... He wasn't an old guy. He was like, you know, he was like my age. I remember looking at him go, that's a different... Like there's not enough room for everybody who was born in the 70s to be a doorknob salesman. We don't, we, don't, we don't need that many doorknobs. But right, 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 this right. guy, he got the spot. Like, And it's not like he's a professional baseball player or some other thing that requires rare talent. Anybody could have been the doorknob guy if you were super into doorknobs. Anyway, that's... We should do better than I, I'm midlife super, crisis. I'm right super there. fascinated by that kind of job and that kind of person because you know it is. There's all this invisible stuff where you go like it's one of those like real people type things like oh this guy has this totally wackadoodle job and whoa but like there's so much to that. A lot of that is it's, it's education, it's expertise, it's also connections. He probably like knows who to call in Germany for this kind of doorknob. Yeah, did he, did he fall? ass backward into the doorknob business uh, i could just uh, in my recollection was his like it wasn't from a doorknob family this is not a legacy like he somehow his family's not in big doorknob like maybe he was just like working as a contractor when he was in college and uh someone on some job wanted some doorknob and he went looking for it and he found it and he talked to this guy and then he moved to a different state and he said you know what i remember looking at that doorknob and that was fun I should see if there's some old, like, I don't know. I'm just making up a backstory for this guy. But, like, it just didn't seem like there was any particular explanation. But that he had found this thing and sort of dove into it and 
was really into it and the other thing i remember is that he made a tremendous amount of money because like, i don't know you sell doorknobs to rich people or whatever and they're really expensive I don't know. But he'd be like, you could be like the doorknob fixer. I mean, fixer in the sense of like, you know, yep, when yep. there are problems that can't be solved by first and second level doorknob support, you, you go to this guy because yeah. because he knows where the doorknobs are buried. And, and I am actually looking for, I have, I have a new door on my house and I don't like the knob. Oh, congratulations. You got your door. The, yeah. I don't, I don't like the knob and the deadbolt. Uh, <laughs> and I'm trying to find, I would like to find basically, what is the like too expensive, nope. But he should really buy it. But it feels like it's built like a tank doorknob and deadbolt set, and that turns out to be hard to find. And I'm looking around on the web and trying to find things, and they're really expensive and they're hard to like. Some things just make the part that the key goes into, but they don't make an actual knobs. So you got to find someone else with a knob and put the thing inside it. Wow, anyway, that, that's more complex than I would have guessed. It's a big mess. Yeah, you can just like you can't you can just go to a home center and get perfectly fine doorknobs. But sure. I'm looking for the like you know, and I, that, that just makes me think just live with the doorknob. Yeah, doesn't cost anything stuff. to look. You know, one um, slightly sad part of the slightly vanishing San Francisco um, is that like in the South of Market area where there's a lot of you know, uh, you know, startup action now is that uh, there's. Some of these stores are still there, but it used to be amazing because it was all these like automotive repair garages, but also just tons of these stores that sold one thing, but they like had all of that thing. Like, I think there's still a store um, pretty far south and south of market that's just, I want to say just lighting, but it's really mostly just light bulbs. Like if you need a light bulb, any kind of light bulb that you need, like no matter how crazy, yes, they have lighting systems. They probably have lighting consultants, but you can go in there and there's somebody there who can find you whatever goddamn light bulb you need. And I just, I love that that exists. Uh, I always, uh, for those things, I was going to say all these are fronts for organized crime, but that particular <laughs> kind of store or a prostitution, but same thing. Anyway, the, that particular uh, kind of store, I would imagine does most of its business to contractors and only has like the storefront for the occasional like just to, to fleece the common man to come in and pay seven times what the contractors pay to get just the right light bulb. But really, the store couldn't stay in business if you just went there to get your bulb for the refrigerator when it goes out every 10 years. Right. It has to be selling stuff to contractors primarily. Like, it's like a plumbing supply shop. You know, a regular person will go into a plumbing supply shop every once in a while, but it makes most of its money selling stuff to plumbers who then resell it to customers. At, you know, There's a great the hardware store down the street from my house. Um, and I just, they're so cool. They're really nice. They're super helpful. But it's funny because, like, the more... The more difficult my problem is to solve, in some cases, the less money they make from it. Like if I go in there and I go, oh, well, I'm going to buy some rat traps and, um, and oh, why, well, as long as I'm here, I'll buy this $50 flashlight. That's a pretty easy purchase. Sometimes I'll just go in there and I'm like, um, here's the screw from this thing. It's pretty degraded. Like I'm not sure exactly which screw I need. And they're incredibly helpful. And they walk me around and they go like, well, try these and get two of these and one of these. And, and I'm like, oh, my God, thank you so much. This is so great. And it's like 80 cents. Like, all that time and all that help, and they made probably a nickel off of that. Yeah, but they weren't doing anything else at that time. And really, like I said, they're making their money some other way. It's fun. Here's the thing. It's fun to it's fun to help people using your intimate knowledge of something they don't know about. So yeah. it's kind of recreation. And and I presumably they're not making your money from people like you who wander in and buy an 80s and screw. They're making their money somewhere else, somehow else. But if there's no one else in the store, they'll help you with it. Uh, the internet's great for that, though. Like, I have a vague notion of what I want, and I can just, like, brute force it on the internet by just 
you know, it's like, boy, once you get that first part number, you're off to the races. Because oh, now you, I, I did that now today. you have the magic key, and now you just can do the... I, again, I still wish for Alta Vista, because Nerds Google tries to be smart with part numbers, but yeah. I did that today with a jacket. I have a, um, a Marmot jacket that I've had for, for almost 10 years, probably, that's really falling apart. I bought what I thought was a replacement for it that's not quite as cool. So I went and I, I Googled the tag, like the little the inscrutable little... It, it's not even presented as an item number. It just looks, it looks like a random series of characters. And it, it popped right up. It's 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 out of print. They don't make my jacket anymore. It's a then you're on to eBay, and then yeah, you're oh, doing pretty soon I'm John Roderick. Whole, exactly. That's what. Yep. That's yeah. But anyway, I'm doing that with doorknobs and locks, and not making much headway. But I feel like I will defeat the problem eventually. Same thing with moldings. I got to get some like you know moldings to match the moldings in my ancient house. Oh my gosh, this is this must this could be a very absorbing project for you. I don't want it to be a project for me at all. But anyway, like, that's what the internet is good for. It's like, is this a standard molding you can get at a home center? Hell no. Mm. <laughs> you know, can I get someone to cut this for me? Yeah, if you want to pay for them to cut a thing. It's like, can I find Can't something Can't you find that a looks- guy? Can't you find some dude that can, like, walk you through this? Like, every one, every year or two, we'll hire a, as they call it, a handyman. And, like, we'll have this list of stuff where we're like, oh, we want to get this lighting fixture installed. We want a, this broken theater lighting thing in the in the dining room. And, like, this person comes in, and we give them, what, maybe $200 to fix, like, two years of problems. And for them, it was it was just it was tri- trivially easy to fix all of them. I dream of that actually happening, but there's two things that prevent that dream from happening. One, it's a possibility that I will never be able to find the person who is as good as your person. Or two, much more likely, I'm not satisfied with the work that anybody will ever do <laughs> in my house. <laughs> well, and Are you going to talk about this on ATP? I don't want to spoil it. Uh, I have talked about it a little bit, but but on ATP, but like I I've spent oh, I my know, entire I, life. I'm asking because I want to know how it ended up. It sounded like you were kind of standing over them and checking their work, and they weren't super I, into that. Yeah. Also, I I spent my life since very early childhood watching PBS, and I watch primarily two kinds of shows: cooking shows. So I know a hell of a lot about cooking, even though I'm crappy at it. I I've seen a lot of people cook on television for a long, long time, and home improvement shows. I've watched hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of home improvement shows not actually done any home improvement i'm not good at home improvement but i've watched other people do it so i know what they tell me on the television programs to look for about anything you can possibly imagine and then add to that my basic knowledge of right angles and level and plumb and gaps between things and a good cut versus a bad cut and then you have a bunch of people doing repairs to my home and i'm like you blew it, dude. Like, you mismeasured that. That gap is too big. It is not symmetrical. The gap on the other side is a different size, and this one is too big. And if I catch them doing that after I come home from work, and they've already put 800 other layers of siding up there, I, what am I going to do? I tell them to come down and tear the siding off of my house and throw right, it away right. because it can't be reused and start the whole thing over again? So you have to pick your battles, right? And I did try to pick my battles. Very often, taking close-up... This is the magic of the smartphone. Taking close-up pictures of things on the phone with a tape measure next to it and saying, this gap, too big. You know, and would you send that to him? And yeah, I'd say, look, there's a quarter inch gap here. It's it's crazy. You You're know? talking about like, like where you've got like like some trim is going to come together, and they've yeah, cut yeah, two no, things at a 45 degree angle, and it doesn't or no, really just match like up. cutting around windows or other things or whatever. It's like you just can't have this. Uh, you know, it's just off. And they, I don't want to get into the details of like you know, there's little things like that. There's there's talent and craftsmanship, but really what it comes down to is that, like they just don't they just don't care. Like that I shouldn't have to be on top of them making sure that they do all these details right they should care about the details i shouldn't have to be watching them and making sure that like you know when they're hanging the shutters that they don't put the shutters on backwards that the, that the shutter hooks are like <laughs> oh, are no. not you know, like simple things like that like i 
that they're they're not mismatched. That uh, the the S hooks are you know uh, facing each other instead of both facing the same direction. That they're the same distance from like you know. But they'll just here's the thing: a lot of bad home improvement people will just eyeball things. It's like mm-hmm. you're not even going to measure that here. A great example. But then they don't even like open and close the door to see if it it makes sense and if the if the, the stopper matches up at the right point. Yeah, they, it's and, like and, they, they haven't treated it like it's part of my home. They've treated it like some kind of a craft project. Like it's just a job to get done. And a lot of the stuff it's like it's a one-way type of thing. Like once they do it, once you nail it, once you screw it, once it's gonna you It's going to be there for in, 30 like, or 40 years. So like you can't it's not like you can just, oh could you just redo that cuz then you're going to need new stuff. Uh, a minor example which makes much more sense is furniture that we bought when we first got married uh one of the things is like a big uh dresser with a, a mirror on it and it comes two pieces the big dresser and then the mirror is like you know against the wall like you know but it's part of the furniture right and the people who came and put this furniture into our house were very careful carrying the furniture or whatever like the, the company's like you know we don't want to damage your house to really get in trouble with that so they put the thing in there and when they have to assemble the furniture they take the big mirror and hold it up against the back of the thing and go screw screw and it's in but it's not centered. It's off by like an inch and a half. Can can they see that it's you off got, by you an got, inch? You got to live with that now, right? No, I could just unscrew it and fix it. But the whole point is, they're not incentivized to care that it's off. They didn't even measure it. They just eyeballed it, right? Mm. Um, and that is a minor. Like you can say like they're they're not incentivized to do that because it's like they're just the delivery people. They're assembling the furniture, fine. But someone who's doing a home improvement job, somebody in the chain, needs to care enough about the project to make sure it's done right. I shouldn't be following them around saying. You made a bad cut here. That's the wrong color. This is an upside down. Uh, this is a bad job here. Or like they should be asking me how, wh- you know, where do you want this? What do you want this to look like? How is this? You know, but it's like you have to be on top of them. It's like with kids. You have to be on top of them every second. No, put your socks on. No, both socks. No, don't wander off and do that. Like it's like, well, you know, why am I even paying you? Right. Like I feel like I'm the project manager. I'm like you're, you're being a pill. Like you're the one who's being a pain in the butt. Oh, I don't mind being a pill. I'm just saying I feel like I'm the project manager. Like it's oh, obvious yeah. that no one in the chain of command, like maybe the lowly worker is not incentivized to care because they get paid in, in you know, in terms of how fast they finish the job and can get to the next one or whatever. But someone in the chain has to care. It shouldn't go all the way up to me. I feel like I'm project managing. I feel like I'm wandering around looking at everything, answering questions, trying to talk, talk at length to say, okay, now... You're going to do this. Here's what the problems are going to be. I can see that you're going to attach this thing to this, and this thing isn't uh, plumb, but you're going to try to put something in those levels. You're going to have to figure out, like, I'm I'm setting them up for, like, this is going to be the hard part of the job you're about to do. So we should talk about it and think about it beforehand before you do this thing. It doesn't cost anything to talk about how we can do this better. Right. Or just, just to say, like, you probably haven't thought about this, but all I've done for the past six months is thought about how you're going to mate this thing to that thing. And if you don't have a plan for it, like, what is your plan? Discuss your plan. Like, oh. I didn't think of that. Like, they just blunder into it and just like, well, you know, it's not their house. Like, they just don't. Anyway, uh, for the most part, I feel like I did pick my battles here and there. But at this point, it's like, we just want it to be over and any other things like I'm fixing. Is you your, know, I'm just, how, how sympathetic is your wife to and to which parts of these tendencies on your part? She is uh, more demanding than I am, but she does not have the same eye that I have. Very often I will tell her, like, for example, when they put in the front door, I said, do you want to know everything that's wrong with the front door or do you not want to know? Oh, because then you can't unsee it. <laughs> right. Uh, there are many things that I haven't mentioned to her at all because I feel like if I tell her, like, they're un- they're unfixable. <laughs> and if I tell her, she will not. But the things she does see, she wants to be like, like, for example, the inside trim on the door. Uh they hand waved that during the sales process. And then when they came to take the trim off, uh, we both realized, I realized, and they re- I realized before they did it, and they realized after they did it, that 
they wouldn't be able to reuse the trim because it was notched out and the door, the new door they were putting in was slightly different size since oh, you can't just put God. that notched out trim back on. So, uh, you know, before they took it off, I said, now, are we going to be able to reuse this trim? And then we all looked at it. Have they never faced that before? That seems like that the most obvious thing like, in why, the world. Why, you would think this would be discussed. Obviously, the salesperson, the sand pro- salesperson just hand waves. Oh, yeah, no, they'll they'll take the door out to put the new one in. It's like, now, the trim, like, they're not going to paint the trim, but our trim will be back. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they will yay yeah, yeah, you forever until you sign on the dotted line. Like, that's the salesperson's job. But at some point, I imagine someone would come and say, how are we going to do the front door? Like, let's look at the inside trim here. When it happens, it's like the day of they come, and I have to say, now, look, I'm concerned about the inside trim. I'm not sure how you guys are going to get that <laughs> right. off and put the door in. Have you thought about that at all? And they'll come in and look <laughs> Wait, at it. Were please. you really saying all this? Yes. And they'll come in. <laughs> They'll come in and look at it for the very first time that day. It's the first time they're seeing it. And they go, hmm, hmm, I don't know. And, you know, and then I'll say, like, oh, I don't Like, they'll basically come down to, we will both realize that we can't reuse this trim. And we're discovering a day of, right? And so what I said is, like, look, can you can you find trim that's like this? Can you match it? Like, oh, it's not really what we do, blah, blah, blah. So they looked into it and said, oh, we couldn't find any matches. And like, fine, just then give me back the money you would have charged me to do the trim and i will deal with this as a separate thing because that's the state we're at but earlier in the project there were things like my wife would say oh they're doing the redoing the outlet for the uh uh the dryer vent uh and she would say now i don't want you removing the vent for the dryer until you have a plan for putting in the new one because when you guys leave i oh, want to have, I, 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 I like I, that I, way of thinking I, that, that's how i think all right i want to have a working dryer because it was like a friday or something it's like i don't want you guys coming here doing half of what you need to do for the dryer vent and leaving me without a dryer for the whole weekend. I got to do laundry for the family, right? So she said this to them, and they started doing the dryer vent, and I was, I think I was uh, either elsewhere or I was working in my, my office. I wasn't uh, watching what they were doing. And they ran into a problem and couldn't figure out what they were going to do about it. And, you know, I came out to see what they were doing. They're like, you know, we can't, we can't get through over here, and we can't cut through this stud or this sill or whatever. And I said, why don't you just do it over there? Like, I showed them how they could do it without cutting through the, you know, the the stud and, and compromising the wall. And they said, oh, all right. And they did it, and it was really hard, and they were sweating, and it was hot, and they were kind of annoyed about it, but they did it. And so they had the thing all set. Uh, and then they went to, uh, you know, hook up the, the dryer hose again to the new outlet they'd put. But the dryer, you know, the dryer outlet didn't reach because the new hole was higher than the old hole was, and they had like a you know a six inch gap. Again, you uh, think they would have thought of this before? Is this they the just first started. time you've ever encountered this? Don't you have a truck full of things that can help take care of this? Right. Like, wouldn't you look at it before you even started? If I was doing this project, I would have had I would know exactly what I'm doing. Remember Gruber and the cable card, where, where the person kept coming out to the house with one cable card and it would be defective, and then they'd have to come back like six yeah. weeks later with a different cable card. Or, but it's at like, least they had all the parts. You know, at least at least they understood that I was going to be replacing a cable card and i have everything i need to do that it's not as if they they came it's just like coming without the cable card at all or with half of a cable card like oh i didn't realize i would need the whole cable card to play. i didn't realize the slot you had to plug it into it wanted a whole one not a half i one. didn't know i was going to need a long extension cord right and so they, they see with the existing situations before you start drilling holes in my house and putting these things figure out if things gonna reach and so it didn't reach and they're like well it doesn't reach nothing we can do about it. i'm like well what do you mean nothing we can do about it like you started this finish it like no oh, well we got to go day's over bye uh, you should you should call our project manager. So you got you got to call the project manager and yell at them. And my wife did it this time because she was the one who was pissed uh, because she had talked to the project manager before and said this wasn't going to happen. And so the project manager did call them and made them turn around and come back with a new thing and put it in. But like we shouldn't have to chase you down to do no, that. No, you should. This is your whole job is to look at look at the dryer, look at our house, and say we know that we're going to have to put a new thing in there. What do we need to get that job done? 
And the project manager was the one saying, don't worry, we won't do it until we have a plan on how to do it. And then the project manager leaves and the workers are like, well, my shift is over or I want to go home and eat dinner. And it's understandable, but it's like, I always wonder just exactly how much money you have to pay to like, to get somebody. No one's going to care as much about your house as you do. Right. But I just want like some kind of level of pride and workmanship that would make someone never leave behind something like that. And it would make them like think about it ahead of time and understand what they're going to do and have attention to detail. And if they miss the cut, throw that piece away and try to cut it again. And hopefully do that for 10 or 15 years until you don't miss so many freaking cuts. Like I just wander around my house and look at all the bad cuts they made. And it's like, oh, at least that one's high up and you can't see it that well. Oh my God. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. You can learn more about Igloo right now by visiting igloosoftware.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S. With Igloo, you don't have to be stuck at your desk to do your work. Heaven forfend, you can manage your task list from your laptop during a meeting, share status updates from your phone as you're leaving the client's site, you can access the latest versions of a file from your home, you can do this in your Star Wars jammies, we don't care and nobody needs to know. These days, everything is mobile, so obviously, your work should be too. Have you ever looked at your own team's crusty old intranet and you thought, hey, the 1990s called. They want their weird homemade CMS back. You might not ever have thought that, but still, the days of janky hard-to-use intranets are over. Get over it, man, because Igloo allows you to make your intranet feel like a place you actually want to be. It is surprisingly configurable, and you can even completely rebrand it to give it the look and feel of your own team. That's a good feeling. Thanks to group spaces, role-based access permissions, and an easy widget editor, you can reorganize the whole platform to fit exactly how your teams work. Gang, with our mobile lives, people are increasingly bringing in outside apps into companies, and sensitive documents are getting scattered hither and yon all across different platforms. This can cause big problems, but not if you use Igloo. Igloo allows you to integrate services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox into one big, happy, easy-to-use, easy-to-secure platform. If you know terms like 256-bit encryption, single sign-on, active directory integrations, well, you know, you'll know just how safe and secure Igloo is. And if you're not familiar with those, well, now you know, and you can use those terms at parties and things. With Igloo, you can share files and collaborate with your coworkers. You can also track who has read what with read receipts. This can be super useful for making sure critical information has been seen, keeping everyone on the same literal page. The 90s are over, man. It is time to break away from an intranet that you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now, and you can try it for free for any team with up to 10 people for as long as you want. So please go to igloosoftware.com slash diffs. That's igloosoftware.com slash D-I-F-F-S. Our thanks to Igloo for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Christmas before last... My wife uh, surprised us with a new... We, we, we rent, but we do not rely on our landlord to do anything. Um, we do everything ourselves to the extent possible. So we wanted a new refrigerator, and my wife like totally surprised the family with a new refrigerator. And it was amazing. But, you know, she had... <laughs> she had like measured the width and the height of it mostly... But, like, not the way that I would measure the width and the height of it to, like, hmm, it looks like this would be an almost exact fit, which is not really a fit. But so what we had to do, we had to call a guy, had a guy come out. And what this guy had to do was, you know, basically cut off, like, half an inch of the tabletop, like, you know, in the area where this would need to fit. It was really, really close. It was almost like if you'd forced it in, you could have, but we're like, we're not going to do that. 
oh, John Syracuse, I wish you could see what this man did. He came with his circular saw, and it was like Bob Hoskins in Brazil. Like, he came in, and, and there's like four things that are totally messed up about the way he did this. So he, he, he cuts straight into this. There's no finishing to this in any way. He cuts. It's, it's at an angle. It's not at like a 90-degree angle. And it's got hesitation marks. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's you know what I'm talking about. We're yeah, like, you're no, like I, I, yeah, it's like if I had tried to do this, this is mostly what it would look like. No, it would be better because here, here's the thing: like, I faced with a similar situation, uh, a new refrigerator. When we got a new refrigerator, I, I mean, if I had 3D modeling experience, I would have made a 3D model to figure out how is this rectangular solid going to travel through the openings in my house, through all the hallways to get into the room here. Like, is this even possible? Is It's like one of those puzzles of, like, shipping like a bottle. I, I feel like I'm the only person who thinks about this. And and we were measuring it down to, like, like the smallest eighth of an inch that our little tape measure could possibly do. And by the time we settled on a refrigerator that we both agreed on and had a plan and had measured it extensively, like, in the, the showroom and, like, asking the guy to pull it out and to measure all, like, well, what about the little grating on the back? What about the little well, feet? Did, How far? Did, you, did you account for the, can, the, the handle that can't easily be removed or well, something no, like we, that? No, we, we, uh, we knew we were going to be removing the doors on the fridge. I also knew I was going to be removing one door on my house, which I confirmed that I could do before we put down the money <sighs> to the refrigerator, right? God, so I then on the day of, it's like... Everything comes together. It's like D-Day invasion, and you just mm-hmm. make sure that, like, the door comes off, the door comes off the fridge, the thing comes in this way, rotates this way, comes in, blah, 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 like, and it's like magic. You look at my fridge and my, and my kitchen, it's like, how did that even get in here? And it's like, it just barely made it. Um, that's what you'll do as a homeowner, because you care, and it's your house, but... It's not like I again, maybe I'm spoiled by the fantasy of television when television cameras on you. The guy with 50 years experience plastering walls explains to you like exactly how to to put on the plaster in a way that you don't get, uh, you know, that it's an even coat and that it sticks and you don't get the marks. And like, like, but it was so satisfying. Like back in back in the Bob Vila days when Norm was just like the, the guy who did all the work, it was just so satisfying to watch him take a pile of something, carefully do a thing. And then it was just you just it would all fit together and be perfect. And like, I, I think that maybe created like a, almost like an unreasonable expectation because obviously he cared so much and was trying so hard, but you're like, there's something like transcendent about being able to take these physical objects with these constraints, these limitations, this budget, this time, all of these things, and still make something exquisite that like fits. And like, you, you can't, you can't unsee that. You can't, you can't roll back from that as a consumer. You like, you want that to be the thing. Yeah. And even like, you can see that these days, uh, it's like New Yankee Workshop used to watch a lot when it was on. And you could see how he hid like the little, you know, run over marks of the circular saw because like the circular saw is not going to make a perfectly rectangular end cut because it's a circle that's cutting things. But you just got to hide that part on the like the inside of the thing where you won't see it. And, you know, that's that's the thing that uh, a clever. Well, that's uh, cra- that's craftsmanship. Know. Right. Um, but the one I get the most kick out of these days is like ask this old house where you'll have uh uh, what's his name? Uh, well, you have uh, Richard Trithui and uh, what's the mustache guy's name? Tom Silva. Oh, Tom we'll Silva, go... and also of course you got Kevin O'Connor. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kevin, he's just a host, right? Mm. But, so the, the the talent people, or, you know, I'm calling it the talent. It's the opposite <laughs> of the talent. It's the opposite of the talent people in showbiz. Richard Trithui is a plumber. He's done a lot of things. And Tom Silva, they both, when they're on camera in their segments, uh, you know, Tom Silva will come in, and the homeowner will be like. Uh, look at this windowsill. It's all rotted and gross. Uh, I want a new windowsill. Um, and he'll look at it. And obviously he's done all this before. He goes on camera and he'll say, all right, this is what you've got. You want a new windowsill. we got to get the old one out of there. When we pull the old one out of there, 
here's what's going to come with it. Like you, you can't pull this out without pulling that out. Here's what's not going to be able to go back on. Here's what's going to get screwed up on the inside of your house. Here's what's going to get screwed up on the outside of your house. And here's my plan for making it so that when I'm done, it looks better than before. Right. Not here's the plan how I'm going to rip out the rotted piece of wood, shove in a piece of PVC, and walk away with the inside and outside of your window looking like a wreck to say, well... I assume that'll be fine. Because that's what it is. Everybody treats it... They treat it like Minecraft, where every block is the same size. So naturally, it'll, it'll all just fit together if I punch this right place. Yeah, it's called experience. He's done this for so many years. He knows that when you pull that out, this thing's going to come out too, and you can't replace that part, or you're going to need a new one of these. And so he comes in with a plan of exactly how... He's, and sometimes the plan doesn't work. Sometimes the plan is like, I thought I could get this out in one piece, but I can't, and I had to split up with the chisel. Uh, but I can get you another one of those. And I mean, obviously, it's on TV. Obviously, they're not going to leave... You know, on the TV, you're going to have the guy with with 30 years experience. <laughs> Cut out the scenes where they accidentally yeah. set the place on fire. <laughs> who's an expert and he's when he's done it's gonna look perfect it's going there is not going to be like you know they're not going to hand wave and say and we're done here's my bill and you'll get you'll have to like if when people are done you have to hire another person to come in and fix the thing that you have the people doing like that's not a successful job so anyway i'm spoiled by that experience uh watch it by that possibly fantasy experience i have heard people who have like good painters or like you said you know, if you have a good handyman or someone if you can find one of those people they're worth their weight in gold and probably charge a lot of money too but maybe they don't know what they're worth but yeah just the act of caring enough about something uh and, yeah, and just having pride in your craftsmanship, even if you're not that great just having pride in it of going like it's going to take me three tries to do this because i'm not that good at it i only have 10 years experience and not 30 but i will take the three tries and if i screw it up i'll eat the cost for that extra piece of wood and not say well not just try to pass it off and go well i made a bad cut but yeah, that's, it's too late now that's this is the part that gets me is that i don't have enough expertise to know how to do lots of stuff and i barely have enough expertise sometimes to know whether someone has even done a good job but i mean you notice things you notice things like um, I mean, dumb stuff like you notice, and but I think these things matter. You notice things like, are they trying to be careful to not like, um, have muddy boots in the house? Uh, like, obviously you notice things like when I, I had a curtain installed here at my office one time and I noticed that the guy like made a point of saying like, do you have a vacuum? Like, can I clean this up? Like cleaning up after they're done, you notice all kinds of things about like how people treat the space. And you know, it's like, it's. It's like the, the, the modern middle-aged man's sexual fantasy. is like somebody who's competent and like respectful and thinks ahead and thinks about it and, and, and at least pretends to care about it even more than you do. They take advantage of that, though, because they know you're looking for that now. So a lot of the people who are the more the, the, the uh, softer oh, we're gonna bring points, in our, bring in our special mats and lay down our... Yeah, uh, yeah. No, they do that, but like, or they'll do that, you know, during like the, the sales process and the estimating process and put on little booties and that kind of... But when the, you're when saying the workers... Got, you, I got catfished? <laughs> but when the workers come, like, they don't put down anything. They clomp all over your hardwood floors. They chip your paint. Painters are the worst. Like, do painters drip paint onto things? They drip paint on it. They just rub it, try to get it off. Yeah, like, you, can't, you find roofers, it all the places where the Yeah, where I feel like roofers are crazy up. and weird for a reason. But painters, I can't understand why painters are as mental as they are. It's... I, I haven't found any good ones yet or neat ones. Like, you would think they would be the neatest people, but they spill paint everywhere. Like, it gets everywhere. That's a nightmare. <sighs> So last question, do, do, do you like your front door? Like, I feel like there's been this, like, uh, revolution of uh, crappy, semi-hollow core kind of doors. Like, me, I want a front door that could take off a finger. Like, are you happy with the heft and weight of your front door? Uh, so my previous front door was way better. My previous front door oh, was sorry. a was a solid wood, like, everything. You know, it was just a lot of the stuff in my house. We basically, everything replaced on my house, we replaced with something crappier. Oh. Uh, I acknowledge this. But... The stuff that was on my house, a lot of it 
uh, was wood and was rotting or had 8,000 layers of paint on it, some of them lead. And it's like, well, my, for my front door, for example, guaranteed had lead paint on it underneath 800 layers of other paint. Um, the door itself wasn't that big of a problem, but everything built around the door was a problem. So the choice was have the door like a de-leaded, stripped and painted and have like some expert carpenter come and rebuild all the ridiculously rotted wood around it. And by the way, have them somehow get insulated glass in there because it's freezing in the winter because it's single plane glass, you know, and, and, you know, the Boston winters, right? Right. And reproduce what we had, which was a fairly energy inefficient, completely wooden custom thing. And that would have cost more than a car, right? To do that in the place where I live. What? what or, to like retrofit your door? To, to get like everything surrounding my door needed to go that like okay. maybe you could have saved the single pane glass oh, but we didn't so it's want a bigger it. project than just the it's door just, it's, okay. it's the door and like you know they have side lights on a door like the two little windows in the side right think of a colonial with the two little window things and 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 there's like pillars in the front and all this and you know anyway it's architectural details but all the architectural details were rotting and we had patched fixed this a couple of years ago of like take the most egregious rotting piece of wood and replace it but like at this point the, the whole point of this project was probably making my house worse in every possible way but replacing everything that's on the outside of the house that t- that touches the weather with something that can't rot. So right. You talked about this on ATP. Like like uh, anything that that used to be like an organic thing is yeah. now is now something slightly more efficient and lighter and not as like authentic and not wood yeah. and not wood not wood in particular like, and, yeah. and and or not not painted if possible as well not wood and not painted and so our entire front door is made of synthetic materials that is not wood comes pre painted right uh, which. And it can be painted after the fact because this pre-painted finish will eventually probably come off as well. And we, we can paint it fine. But everything facing the outside of the house is not wood. Uh, and everything on my door is crappier. The insulated glass is way more efficient than a single pane of glass from the 1930s. Uh, but it's not as nice looking. Uh, and plastic doesn't look as nice as wood. Uh. And all that other stuff. Whatever. But I'm not doing this for aesthetics. I'm doing it for energy efficiency and for maintenance because I'm just sick of the... I'm sick of my house rotting and falling down around me. So I'm like, look, this, everything we've done to the exterior of my house, I'll probably need a new roof before I move out again, because this roof is now, you know, 10, 15 years old, whatever it is. Oh, no. But, but that's fine. Roofs, like, it's not a big deal. Asphalt shingles, they're fine. Um, although the roofers make a giant mess of everything. But uh, anyway, <laughs> this should last me until I'm out of this house for the exterior. I won't need to paint it again. I won't need to replace any part that rots off or anything like that. Assuming this all holds together, this this first winter will be the first real test, then I'm basically all set. So no, my front door is not as nice as my old front door was. My front doorknob and deadbolt are not as nice as the old ones were, but the old ones were, you know, there are parts in them where I could just shove my finger into the wood. <laughs> just <laughs> rotting and like, so it just had to go, right? And I just do not have enough money to replace it with, like the people who made this house in the 30s, were very wealthy. The people who live in it now, uh, <laughs> not so not. much, <laughs> right? I mean, because it's you know, what I mean, like they were these were the people who could hire an artisan to come and do all these custom architectural details and all these things, and then fast forward hundred or so years almost, and then like things have been painted over and revised and remodeled in the eighties, and all sorts of stuff has happened to it. And so, anyway, you do what you can. Yeah, that's like, tough. Yeah, this is my first big remodeling project. I learned a lot of lessons. I know better what to look for, but I'm just glad we more or less got it. And then I guess if this house makes it through the winter and nothing disastrous happens and all this stuff, artificial stuff I put on the outside of my house turns out not to like disintegrate into dust or burst into flames or melt in the sun or any other thing that could possibly happen to it that is unforeseen, uh, I will consider it a success. Mm. Stay strong. 
Yeah, I'm trying. Uh, and I have no trim on the inside of my front door right now, so that's... Uh. Yeah, so just, just, just look at the plaster and the insulation. It's great. So it's not like decorative trim. You mean it's like it's raw. It's a raw, it's a raw door It's a jam. casing, you know, door casing. Oh, um, man. Like, you know, four-inch four wide door casing, top and uh, I can't, I can't imagine what sides. this must be doing to you over time. I have a high tolerance for crap like that. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I would rather have nothing there than have them go to Home Depot, buy some, you know, stock casing and tack it on there. Hmm. Because then it all I'd be thinking about is like ripping that off, and it's much easier to you know. So anyway, I'll I'll deal with it. Same thing with the the little slat that came out of the shutter. Uh, my shutter actually are the only things that are the original. You, wood. You, you got a shutter slat? Yeah, but my shutters are original, and we didn't replace them because they would be expensive and because they're not functional at all. And they're basically held together by paint. Like the what? paint it's, is actually it's, it's, holding it's the wood. It's expensive to replace. It's just like a chunk of wood. Shutters. Yeah. Everything costs a million dollars for houses. Not sure you know this because you're not a homeowner. Everything oh, costs a million but I, dollars. but I'm a renter who might as well be a homeowner. But uh, like, you're talking about the decorative, like slatted things on either side of your window that aren't actually shutters. No, I have actual shutters. Oh. Houses from the 30s. Like, you know, the, oh, you well, that's different. Them, that's different. Right? They're actually functioning and they can open and close? Yes, they're, oh. they're shutters, right? They're on hinges. They turn, right? And But anyway, they're, well, they you are... You live re- in the old world. We don't have those kinds of things. Yeah. We don't have screens in our windows here. Yeah, no, I don't understand how you you live in that city. We we don't have no. There's no bugs. We don't have bugs. They're not. They can't afford it. <laughs> well, some people have. I know we start with the decorative ones, but yeah, we have the real ones. Like I said, they're held together by paint. It's basically like uh, sawdust with a lot of paint holding it in. So if you just treat them delicately, because they're not they're not structural. They're not functional. Even though they do close, we have them you know pinned open with the little S hooks, so they don't like. It's a purely huh. decorative feature. So we didn't get new ones, and maybe we will eventually. But if we do need to, like, it's the type of thing that. It's, you can do it anytime. It's not invasive. You want new shutters? Take the old ones off, throw them in the garbage, get new ones. God, there's just Fine. always something you can spend money on, though, right? I mean, there's always yes. like more stuff you could spend more money on. Yeah, and Ugh. and so this was like this is uh, you know where we drew the line. All right, shutters we can make do with the old shutters if they fall apart, no big deal. It's not you know we can do that at a later date. So one of them was so held together by paint that one of the slats just fell out of the shutter, and I saved it and I put it somewhere like a little squirrel. So I could remember where it was. I did actually. Here's here's how I remembered where it was. This is how my brain works. Now. You got a mnemonic? No. Uh, it's like, this is my only hope for remembering things these days. Is I'll put it somewhere and I'll say, "Now remember, you're putting the shutter slot that you saved." Like this is the beginning of the summer, right? Remember, you're putting it in this place, and I'll try to tell myself. But that doesn't actually work because the end of the summer comes and I have a vague notion of where it might be. But then I look around and I can't find it. So I'm like the squirrel. I was like, you buried the nut somewhere. This is the only way I can find things. What I have to do is accurately simulate, uh, like, if I can make this happen, if I can make another shutter fall off my house and pick it up and not think about the fact that I can't find the other one. No. Pick up the shutter and... and I do this with my daughter three times a day. Honey, the scissors are wherever you left them. Act like you you need the scissors. Act like you were just using the scissors. That's where right. the scissors will be. The right. scissors do not walk. They're wherever you, the, the hairbrush is wherever you... You are the only person in the house who uses the hairbrush. Think like a squirrel. Yeah, so what I have to do is, given the same inputs, my brain will produce the same output. I have to give it the same inputs, which is, you have a shutter slat. You need to put it somewhere for safekeeping. Go put it there. And if you go put it there, right next to it will be the other shutter slot you put in. That's essentially what I did. Oh I had something God. that I want. I had something from that. It wasn't a shutter slot, but I had some other piece of the house that I needed to put away. I had looked for the other shutter slot for a little while, and I said, I just put it out of my mind. I'm like, I'll find it yeah. using this patented system by not thinking about it. And I had some other piece of the house that I wanted to save for later. Maybe it was like extra shutter hooks. And I went and I put them where it felt natural to me to put the extra shutter hooks. Right next to it was a shutter slot. Boom, the system works. 
Oh, it's so revealing about how your mind works. Yeah, that's how I do almost everything. And uh, I do that with file names or like variable names or function names at work. I have I don't have to memorize all what all the, you know, if I wrote the code, I don't have to memorize what the variable name, what the function name. All I have to be is say, okay, forget about what the variable's name. Say you have a name of variable like that. Name it right now. Type it's, it in. That's the name of the variable. That's what I, I'm, like, you're describing like right there. That's why how I came to love Quicksilver is that I stopped thinking about like what I should name this and started thinking about more like what I would name this. And, yeah. and now put that in this field, and you'll always find it because that's what you named it. Is it because it what you don't over, you don't overthink it? Just occurs no. to you. And this for programming like variable names, it's happened across years. Like code that I wrote five years ago, I'm like I can't remember what the hell that module would be called. But if I was writing it today, I would probably call it blah. And lo and behold, there it is. Maybe it doesn't work so much with modules, but variable names and stuff that's sort of like lower stakes or that I feel like I have a good handle on how to name. Given the same inputs, I produce very similar outputs, or at least I can get into the ballpark. So anyway, I found my shutter slat. I you know. <laughs> I'm gonna. I repainted it. I'm gonna stick it back in. Like, that's the type of detail. Oh, and, wait, you wait, know. wait, wait, wait. You you repainted the shutter uh, slat yourself? Yeah, that's not not a, not a big deal. Like speaking, yeah, of but paint, I mean, like, isn't isn't the rest of the shutter like really like faded? Oh no, they repainted the shutters. That's the other thing. Like oh, they repainted okay. the shutters and they repainted them, and then they. Like, they were going to start hanging them on the house. I'm like, whoa, 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 you can't hang the shutters in the house without the S-hook. You can't hang them without basically without a thing that keeps them from turning. Because what if a big wind comes along, it's going to swing closed and slam onto my windows and shatter the window or something, right? Like, you have to... <laughs> like, the painters are doing this. The painters are like, well, but we painted these shutters, now let's hang them back on the house. So I was like, A, how can the paint possibly be dry? It probably isn't. And B, you can't put them on unless you have the S-hooks. And like, oh, well, that's not our job. The other people do that. I'm like, well, uh... you, then you can't put the shutters on our house. And it's like, well what should we do with them? Like, this is going to like rain or whatever. And it's like, well, you can put them in the garage, I guess. I'm like, but if you put them in the garage, I said to the painters who should already know this, <sighs> and you lean them up against the wall, they're all going to stick to each other. Because even though the paint wasn't like wet, wet, like it had dried but, over the course again, of several John, hours. But again, John, is this the first time they've ever encountered this problem? It, right, sounds, no, like, it sounds like it's their first day on the job. Yeah, no, it, and it, or just people don't care. I said, well, you put them in the garage and lean them all against each other, they're going to stick. And they're like, oh, well, maybe we can put something between them. So they picked up, like, sticks off the ground and put the little sticks between them to, to give them some separation so they wouldn't stick together. <sighs> and, the, you know, of course, the paint fused to the stick and the thing or whatever. So when they, when the, and, and I said, when the, the project manager was there, I said, okay, well, when the guys come and rehang the shutters and do the S-hooks and everything, when they try to pull those shutters apart in my garage, the paint's going to be all screwed up from where the little sticks are. And I showed them and I explained the situation and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, how are we going to deal with that? It's like, oh, don't worry. The painters will take care of that. I'm like, but wait, the painters are coming before the people. who The painters are going to come to do the door trim and then they're going to leave. And then the next day, the people are going to come and do the shutters. How are we going to deal with the paint things? And it's like, blah, blah, hand wavy, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line is they don't care. That's exactly what happened. The painters came and did the door trim and left. Then the shutter people came and hung up the shutters under my close supervision to put everything in the right place and everything. And then, uh, and there's a bunch of spots on all the shutters where there's, where like the sticks pulled off the paint or like little yeah. pieces of paper towel. And so I'm going to have to go out there and sand the little spots and put the little things. And at that point, like, could I, I could have called them and said, Hey, uh, there's a bunch of spots in the shutters that need to be repainted. They would have sent out the painters and had them redo it. They wouldn't have charged me extra. They totally would have done that. But the fact that I have to call them to do that means they are no longer qualified to do that job. Like, they obviously don't have enough attention to detail, and all I'm doing is risking them spilling some green paint onto my white windowsills or onto my screens or something like that. I'm like, you know what? I will do that part because you've just you've lost your qualification for doing this type of detail work. Even though they wouldn't charge me, even though they gladly, you know, maybe the painters wouldn't have gladly done it, but the project manager totally, if I had complained, totally would have sent them out of there to fix every single one of those spots. But I no longer want them to do it. So that's 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 the end of a, of a construction project where you're like you know what 
just take my money and leave. I will take it from here. Everything that's left on this job is obviously a detail that I don't trust you to fix. I will do it myself. This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by MailRoute. You can learn more about MailRoute right now by visiting mailroute.net slash diffs. That's D-I-F-F-S. Gang, email is so important to our daily lives. Am I right? Up here, high five. Everyone gets a ton of email. Our inboxes are full of important things, but also there's a bunch of junk and spam too. So to help sort out this problem, we need to have people that we trust to do the right kind of filtering. We need email nerds for this. So what do you do? You go to MailRoute. Imagine a world with no spam, viruses, or bounced email. Imagine opening your email and seeing only the legitimate email that you want and need to receive. This is what you will get with MailRoute. They have been the most reliable team in email protection since 1997. If you have your own domain, regardless of who hosts it, MailRoute can help. There is no hardware or software to install or maintain. MailRoute simply receives your email, sorts it out, and delivers only the clean email to your mail server. Whoosh! They save you money in hardware, bandwidth, and other precious resources. It's easy to set up. It's trusted by large universities and corporations. Hey, even ACM, the world's largest uh-huh, and oldest governing body for computer sciences, mm-hmm, uses MailRoute for their email protection. Nothing wrong with that. As a desktop user, the interface is simple and effective. If you're an email admin or IT pro, don't worry. They've built all of their tools with you in mind. They even have an API for easy account management. MailRoute supports LDAP and Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging, outbound relay, everything you'd want from the people handling your mail. So please, to remove spam from your life for good, go to mailroute.net slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S, for a free trial and 10% off for the lifetime of your account. Our thanks to MailRoute for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. In our house, we, um, when we talk about the uh, owners of our home fixing it, we, we always put fix in like three sets of air quotes. Because some, in the past, there have been, I think we've all had this, with, especially with landlords, where there's a way of fixing it that feels almost punitive. Where it's like, it, you know, it's like we, we've been in your house and we try to keep it nice and stuff like that. But like, uh, I shouldn't get into it. But 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 uh, sometimes I'm I, I I'm struck by that problem of of what you're describing, which is that like obviously as the homeowner you care more than the people who are fixing it. But even as like the home dweller, like I've got to live with that. Like if I'm laying in bed, I have to go stare at the way this piece of the door is a little bit too high at this one angle. Like I've got to live with that. Like and I'm not even like a compulsive person, but like that'll just keep bugging me or this one smudge like in this one place is something like you could have avoided if you take another three minutes, but like now I got to live with that forever. Yeah. If you live in a really old house, you, I think at least I, I come to accept all the imperfections. All, the thing that, that galls me about all these things is you had a chance to either do it or redo it. It wouldn't have taken that much effort to do or redo it better. And you blew it. And right. so you, you right. could have made it like, you're not expecting nothing in my house is level. Nothing in my house is plumb. Everything is all screwed up. Everything is all different colors and ages and styles. Like you just accept that. Like it's just the way it is. But if you're replacing any portion of a thing, Oh, I have to replace this thing. When you replace it with something, put the new thing in so that it's level, cut the new thing to the right length. So that there's not a gap. You, that's your chance to do it. That's your chance to make it a little bit better. And if you blow that, it's like, well, all I see is the missed opportunity, not the fact that, oh, now I have to look at that gap because there's gaps everywhere. Like my house is a mess. Like it's not it's an old house. You just right, that's right, right. what you get with an old house. Fine. I just think that when it's time to do or redo anything, that's you know, it's it's a missed opportunity. It's it's a wasted potential, mm. you know, 
And especially since I watch all these shows, all they do is fix old houses in New England. And I see the crappy old house and I see my own house. I'm like, yep, that's what my house is like. And then they redo it. I'm like, boy, it came out great. It looks way better. Uh, All those people on this television show spent a lot spent a lot of time making uh, sure PBS guys you need some PBS guys coming out there and doing some work yeah my wife says that a lot I'm like I'd be too embarrassed to have my house on television (laughs) I I don't want you know and she's like what about just exterior stuff it's like you know know." and the thing here's the thing (laughs) disguise your voice (laughs) you know uh, uh, Richard Chathui he has a plumbing business called Chathui Brothers they are our plumbers we have them come is that somebody uh, from the TV yeah, this old house, Richard okay, Cthulhu okay. is, is their plumber guy, and he has a business, and we call that business to come. His company is uh, our plumbing company. He doesn't show up because, you know, he's... Oh, yeah. I, I would stuff, be right? very but, careful about hiring TV plumbers. Right, no, but I, I very frequently what I do is I hire people that I see in this old house, thinking at least, at the mm. very least, there's someone at the top of that organization who is, uh, you know, who cares about this stuff. And I, here's my experiences with, with hiring. Because I, I live where this old house is, so I actually have the opportunity to see someone on television say... That's a company, you know, you know, Ferrante Tile or uh, what's the uh, the landscaper, K&R Landscapers, the whatever, what's this guy's name? You know, I can actually call those companies. Trithui Brothers is the most sort of like franchised, like they're a huge business. Like they, it's not just, I don't know how big they are, but they're really big. Um, so they come to our house and they are our plumbers. And we've had a lot of different plumbers over the years and they're pretty good. Like, they're better than most of the other plumbers that I've had, and their rates are actually pretty reasonable. So we actually use them as the plumbers. The Silver Brothers, the one time I called them about home stuff, they said, uh, we don't even have a place to talk to you for two years. Like, we can't even, like, can you know, have a conversation with you about your project uh, except for two years out. And not only did they say, we we can't talk to you about your project for two years out, they didn't say, they also didn't say, so would you like to set up that appointment for 2016? Wow. They didn't even say that. They just like we can't. Eat, we're booked for two years. Sorry, click. Like that, that. That that was it. That they were so uninterested. They were so booked up that they weren't even interested in saying if you want to make an appointment for two years now we can do that. They didn't even do that. So it's like all right. Obviously, two things about this. One that they're really popular, uh, probably because they do a good job. And two, they're probably astronomically expensive. <laughs> like that's, that's what I got from that conversation. Well, yeah. At the point when you can afford to you know reject or delay business like you can name your price yeah i mean you know that's the silver brothers business uh dickie and tom silva mm. um <laughs> they you know and I, they seem like they have kept their business to you know uh, not as big as the three brothers right landscapers i called them asked the guy talked to me on the phone i think i actually talked to the guy from the, what's his name i am so bad with names i watched this guy my entire life and i have his name on the tip of my tongue all the time and now i can't bring it out uh anyway the, the landscaping guy in this house, I talked to him on the phone. I think it was the actual guy, which is the first thing. It's like he's actually answering his own calls about things. Wow. He, he listened to my problem, which was I had a tree I wanted to be removed. He, he asked me about the tree, blah, blah, blah. After, after you know, a five-minute conversation, he said, okay, well, I don't have time to do your job right now, but I can recommend somebody who you can come out to do your job. Nice. He, he recommended the person. I called that other person who has their own business. That person came out here uh, and did the job. It was very expensive. Did a fine job, though. Um, and one other thing, I think I also contacted the painters that they had on one of the things and same deal. The painter said, uh, uh, you know, we don't have time for your job, but I can recommend somebody who used to work for me here to start his own business, you know, just like giving business to their friends or whatever. And the painting painting, they did a very thorough job in terms of like, they pulled all this is before I gave up my house. They pulled all the old paint (laughs) off the house and put on new paint, which is incredibly labor intensive. And they, 
they worked hard on this. Like just pulling all the paint off my house is insane. I didn't think it could even be done. But they did it. They brought it down to bare wood. They prepared it. They painted it on. When they applied the new paint, they didn't do that neat of a job, which was disappointing. But the hard part of getting every, all the old paint off, they they did a reasonable job. But I probably wouldn't hire them again. But anyway, that is the spectrum of, of, of experience I have literally hiring the people I see in TV and mostly wow. failing to hire them. Trithui Brothers, big thumbs up, like in terms of all the other plumbers I have, especially since they're cheaper. They're cheaper than the other big company that had for plumbers, but boy, what I wouldn't give to have the Silver Brothers come and fix my house. But at that point, I might as well just buy a new house if I could afford them to do, uh, you know, to pay them to do that. So instead, I just tried to weatherproof my house and just huddle up for the winter and try not to think about it too much. Because really, mm. I, I, in the end, I care less about my house is a mess. I care less about, I don't care about decorating. I don't care about my house looks. I don't care what other people think about my house. I just want it to keep the weather out, keep my expensive toys dry. Yep. And uh, be a nice little hobbit hole for me to live in. Really, that is my ideal home is the hobbit hole. Oh, me too. That'd be so comfortable. Yeah, maybe not so much the underground thing, but the whole idea of uh, just, you know, it always looks like it's wood paneled and there's a lot mm-hmm. of food and there's a library and there's the nice windows and warm. the sun. Yeah, and you just kind of snuggle up in there and you got a good book and I wouldn't smoke the pipe. But your pipe? Yeah, you have your pipe. Enjoy uh, that. You have your pipe. I don't, I don't have, have my pipe. pipe. What are you talking about? Uh, mm. Yeah, that's another topic. We'll get to that eventually. Get your pipe. Mm-mm. Walt Disney died of smoking. I just watched the American Experience Walt Disney thing and reminded of that fact. <laughs> Of course he did. Of course he'd everyone died. Who didn't die of smoking? <laughs> he guy? died the year I was born. Yeah. Was it 66? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Uh, he died at 65. Smoking. Mm. Turns out. Yeah. It turns out if you just chain smoke <laughs> all day and all night for your entire adult <laughs> life, probably not good for your health. Really yeah. rolling the dice there. Yeah, I love you. Um, <laughs> do we have time for our next topic? We may not. Uh, no, we'll probably have to save that for another thing. We'll save it. We can save what the topic is so people will know what they're. We got a we got a, we got a lot done on home improvement. Um, I still have a lot to say about it that I can't say publicly, but I think what, it's a what, very. Do you, do you think your landlord is listening? I'm trying to get the, the idea of why you're cagey about this. As someone with a child in school, um, like I've learned that, like, well, you know, like, like, well, let's start at the beginning. <clears throat> like, I'm, I'm okay, well known enough that, like, if you're in this certain, like, very narrow slice of the pie, there's a chance you've heard something about something I've done, whether or not you know it's me. Like, that's okay, whatever. Like, same with you, right? Like, oh, you're that guy from the, the, the Macintosh reviews. No, nobody's but, heard of me. I'm safe. Yes, but like, it, we're not talking about like it's a question of how many zeros. Like, there, there are not. We're not at the point where we're talking about like it's it's close enough that I wouldn't want it to get back. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. With you the gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be two orders of magnitude more careful than you think. And I forget that every week. Yeah. That, that, but like, I'm pretty confident that no one who's done my home improvement, I was listening to show, but anyway, I don't care. Like if they had, that's the other thing. If they had asked me when the job was over, Hey, how did we do? What did you think? I would tell them all of this. Google like, me. I would say, Google me. <laughs> I would say, do you want to hear everything that you did wrong and yeah. why I disappointed and like, but during the thing, my wife's inclination was to get angry and yell at them. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, just talk to them nicely. If what do you want? Do you want it, the satisfaction of yelling at them and making the food? Because you yell at them. Like, that's not negative reinforcement. Is not, it's like, it's like yelling at the people who are cooking your food. It's just not a good well, yeah, idea. But also like if you, if you genuinely, genuinely cared about how you were doing professionally or maybe more saliently like if you cared about how satisfied someone was with that process you would do two really important things before that second (laughs) you would ask them how things are going while it's happening but first you would open by saying listen 
if at any point you don't understand what I'm doing, you're uncomfortable with what I'm doing, or you think there even just might be a better way to do that, like, I want you to feel free to bring that to me. I can't promise you we'll do that, but I just want you to know that, like, this is your house. You have to live here, and I want you to always feel free to come to me to say if things are not going the way you expected or if there's ever any confusion, and I will do everything I can to try and fix that. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's how you do that. You don't come in in the end and go, like, fill out the comment card. Well, they didn't. They haven't. Like, and I'm sure they won't. That's why I'm not worried about it. But, like, that... Imagine here's the, here's the the sort of nightmare scenario where I, I feel bad and don't want to yell. It's like they come in and say that. They say all that, but they're really bad at their jobs. And so you basically have to go, you told me if I was concerned or anything, well, look at what you did here. This is all like, like off bumping kilter. Into, bumping into each other and hitting each other with boards. Yeah, it's just like it's, it's, you're doing a bad job here. And you're like, oh, oh, I see, what, I see what you're saying. Okay, well, we'll redo that. And they redo it, and it's not really much better. And at a certain point, you're like, you know what? Like, they're doing their best. Or maybe this is their best work. Or like, but anyway... I really had to pick my battles. Here's the thing. I had to be... If I wasn't here, if I just went to work and came home and, like, the whole side of the house was sided, I can't say this thing in the lower left corner is bad and they got to pull all the siding off the house. Like, that's a tough sell, right? Because at a certain point, I'm costing them money because for... Not just for the labor, but for the parts because they got to, you know, tear things off and throw them away. Or they'll take them off, try to crack... uh, Take one off and, like, face nail it back on because they can't do... You know, like... I know what's involved. I know it's not like you can... Like people who don't know, maybe just like, I don't like that thing, fix it, and then close their eyes and open up, hey, it's fixed, right? right? I know that some things, like, the only real way to fix it would be to pull all the stuff off and go all the way back up, which would be incredibly expensive. And, and you're, if you're lucky, you can do that. Sometimes it's like a one-way assembly where you just can't... You can't un, unring the bell. You can't get that thing back out. It's like you get one shot. So I have to be there at the house when they're doing it, and I really have to, you know, watch them and pick each... Like, I got to the point where, like, when the painters were going... Like, no one asked me what color things should be. I said, okay, this is going to be this color. This is going to be that color. This is gonna be, I took pieces of masking tape. Like, this represents this color. The yellow is this color. The white is, like, so they wouldn't re- forget, like, what color is it supposed to be painted? What color was that supposed to be painted? And I, I, I learned my lesson from past projects. Put your take, socks on. Put your socks on. Put your socks on. <laughs> take off the light fixtures. Don't try to paint around them. Don't try no. to mask them off. Unscrew them. Pull them out so it's just the wires. Wrap them up in a bag. Like right. I feel like I'm telling them how to do their job. Like, and some people would be indignant. Like, just stupid homeowner, stop telling me how to do my job. But like, these people needed to be told. They just absolutely needed to be told. Well, no, like, because each, but like, also so much to this. But like, at each level, like, so you go from there's the salesperson. There's a project manager, maybe there's a lead person, and there's a lot of like you know worker bees. And like, I feel like there's like a unconscious, probably not deliberate, but like there's like a lot of signal loss at each one of those three or four levels where like the the whole like, well, you know, this guy seems kind of tightly wound and he really wants you to like be careful and stuff and don't screw up the uh, the trim around his front door. Like that blah, blah, ginger gets degraded somewhat to the project manager. The project manager might go, oh yeah, and like uh, keep an eye on the trim or whatever. And that gets to the like the, the person on the scene where they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I think there's something about trim. And then by the time that gets filtered down to the person who's there at 3.30 on a Friday, like trim is the last thing on their mind. Because there's nobody there to like make sure that all that is like a true project manager who's like standing there with a checklist and being John Syracuse and saying like, let's make sure this gets done the way it's supposed to be done. Or asking like, how do you want to do this? I see there are many different ways we could do this thing. Like just for painters, even just something else like what color should something be? Because the, there's there's the trim color and there's the body color of the house. And at various transitions between them, you can make different choices about like the thing that's behind the lights in the front of the house. Should that be trim color 
or house color. No one ever asked me that. Again, 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 it's like they've never done like walk through the whole thing. Like really, let, let's let's be dummies and let's walk through all the parts of this. Let's figure out if the refrigerator will fit fit in the house, and let's think about all the things that have to come off and what color it might be. Like nobody actually walks through that. It's maddening. And and the, the scary thing is, if I was not there, uh, telling them this, they, you know, they, they weren't coming to ask me. They would just do like. I guess whatever they felt like doing at that time, right? They would just be like, I don't know, like, oh, like they'll just they'll just make the call themselves, as if no one will have told them what anything be. It's not in any kind of project plan. They're, it's like at a certain point they were just looking for me to to you know they like it's like if you have a question just come and ask me. I go, uh, you know, it turns out we never chose exactly what color this piece of trim would be. What color do you want it to be? Nope, they would just make it some color, and then I would have to come out later, or, or you know, and say, oh well, that's the wrong color, and you know, like I wanted to get there at first and. I thought I was getting on top of this when I was talking with the people in the planning stages. I'm like, I went over like nine times. Like, now, when you guys are done with the project, mm-hmm. what will be the state of my house? Will <laughs> there be anything on the outside of the house that still needs to be painted? Will there be anything on? Like, we went over like, you know, because I was aware that like, you know, we weren't doing anything inside. They're basically like, you know, when they replace the windows, you're just going to screw up the trim on the inside of your house. And, you know, part, fixing that is not part of our project. Like, okay, that's fine. But will the trim right. be reattached? Well, like, I just wanted to go over everything. And. They mostly comply with the letter of that, but the spirit of it, it's like, yeah, everything outside the house is painted, but the garage door is painted crappily, and they didn't do enough surface prep, and there's splotches of it that are the wrong color, and it's not like they're going to add more paint to fix it now. It's just like, you know what? Fine. Just move on. Like, you just you just want to be disentangled, and then you can say, I have learned important lessons from this. For the most part, the job got done. I would give them overall, like, a B- or a C. They weren't malevolent or malicious for the most part which is why i tried to keep the relationship non-adversarial i always presented it as Mm -hmm. hey you know there's this part that you know this i I noticed this is off sometimes i had to argue and like oh that's just like because your house isn't level or whatever like i know the house isn't level but like this gap is you know and i would have to convince them and convince them and eventually they would they would relent without me having to get mean about it they would eventually be like i think they they wouldn't they, maybe they wouldn't agree with me but they would eventually say obviously this is important enough that i'll just redo it and some some people were better than others because a whole bunch of different sets of workers the siding people versus the painters versus the carpenters versus the people who did the doors versus the people who did the windows versus you know all different crews it's like your own version of the warriors yeah and, and yeah and different people on different days sometimes the painters are these guys sometimes the painters are those guys isn't there another piece to this though like I've heard people talk about this a lot in the past, and I've noticed it a little bit um, when improvements have been visited upon our house with the contracty people who come out and do some of the work. But isn't there kind of a famous and sort of real thing happening with contractors where mm, they're always kind of behind on stuff like serially, permanently, like time-wise and money-wise, the robbing Peter to pay Paul thing. Like it seems like a lot of the calls that they're taking while they're on your job or about another job. And like you hear the stories about like, though the building supplies for this, like we're out of the budget for this. So we got to move the budget to this. Like, isn't there like a, I mean, is that just, is that just part of the industry? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? I know, I know totally what you're talking about. Like that's, that is definitely a thing for the most part, the company that I contracted to do this, uh, I, I picked them for a couple of reasons. One, they had the particular siding product that I perhaps incorrectly uh, thought was what I wanted for my house, just because all the other siding products sounded worse. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't want wood, and every other one that has been on the market for a while, I could you know, do research on on the net and find all the problems for it, all the ways it fails over the years. This this product was new enough that there's not enough stories of failures, and all I could find was positive things about it. So maybe in 10 years, my house will be crap. But anyway, 
they were the exclusive reseller of this product. And the second is they presented themselves as full service. We will do everything. You just have to deal with us. You don't have to deal with seven different people. We have people who can do all the parts of this job. We can do your windows. We can do your door. We can do your siding. We can do your painting. Obviously, they're better at some parts than the other, but they presented themselves as full service. They had the same problem of like, now we need a payment for this to do that or whatever. And you can see it's a cash flow thing. Like they always seem like they're totally. Hey, we are. We're going to order the windows for your house. Windows are tremendously expensive. Believe me, I know. Um, and it's expensive for them too, even though they're charging us, you know, two or three times what they pay for them. Whatever. They have to order the windows from the other company that makes them because they don't make the windows. They need the money to do that to get the ball rolling, right? And so right. it's always like, give me a little bit. They are, they always want like they would have taken the lump sum up front, but you know that's crazy talk, right? So it's like give us the money just in time for us to, to order the thing and try to get it in the scheduling i was contracting them like as soon as the spring thaw was setting in because i you know i wanted to give them the whole summer to do it and then we at the beginning of the summer we talked to them we like signed on the dotted line practically it was still spring it's like no this is going to be done before we leave for our you know vacation in new york in like uh the end of june and like oh yeah you will be done by then well you know they they basically finished like three days ago so they finished in september not not june right so you know so schedule <laughs> surprise surprise scheduling wise i mean granted i went on two vacations this summer we went to disney which we'll probably talk about in some other podcast um i i went to new york uh you know they and there was breaks for other things going on like the schedule got strung out the only kind of shady typical contractor things that i did it was a couple of times they were like oh we were going to come and work in your house but uh you know person x uh is sick today and then, oh, the next day, person Y was sick. It's like, seriously? I mean, I suppose it's possible that, you know, one person could get sick and the next day the other person's sick. But if you just have another job to do, just say you have another, like, it was but a, it feels like all it was of a two-day like, delay. I mean, debt is probably too strong a word. But, you know, that phrase cash flow, I used to think cash flow was yet another douche-speak euphemism. But now having been on the other side of cash flow, I understand what that means. It means that the money should be there, but it's not there. Like, to me, that's a distinction. It's like, it's one thing to be, like, totally broke. Another thing to go, like, well, I should be okay, but I'm waiting for people to pay me. Or, like, I have... You don't have enough liquidity. You know, you don't have enough... Right. You are going to be paid that money eventually, according to work that's already been done, but you don't have it now. Right. Well, cash flow is something people understand in the podcast industry because of the way those payments work. But, like, no, I... They do net 900, right? (laughs) (laughs) payment schedule i think it's technically net whenever but uh we love our sponsors but the um but the uh but but now i get that i do i do really get that and so but but my feeling is that it's something much more than that where like there's a brave face you know about getting whatever the next job is because the next job gives you the influx the down payment to end up paying for the job you're finishing because that one started out behind and it seems like this kind of perma debt that contractors are always in about uh, materials, uh, manpower, time, like like it seems like they're all they're just like permanently a little bit behind on everything in a way that must accumulate to where you know maybe that's where some of the quality stuff falls between the cracks. Uh, I think that the better you are at the job, the less that affects you. My my company, I think the way my company got out of most of the problems of cash flow is that you know they did it again want the money, but it didn't seem like they were they were just like behind the eight ball constantly i think they get out of that by charging a lot of money because if i add up like how many people were at my house for how many hours and what do i think is a reasonable hourly rate for the work that they do like even if everyone in my work is making 300 dollars an hour they would have still made a profit on my job like i you know we got 
we didn't negotiate particularly hard for the job because we have no idea how much the stuff costs and they are the exclusive seller of this product and blah blah anyway they made out plenty of money on our project like i can even even accounting for when they ordered the wrong door and had to send it back and they basically ate that you know Ugh. two thousand dollar cost like because that's that's from the manufacturer like they gotta they can't return that to the manufacturer now they've got this door that they gotta try to give you, someone you, a sweetheart your discarded deal. door cost two thousand dollars that's i'm assuming how much they paid for it <laughs> oh that that that's like the um the gross for it yeah like from the from the manufacturer because it's a whole big assembly you know and it's like oh anyway they don't make that they buy it's like the windows they buy that from somebody and if they order the wrong one it's custom made like it's custom made to fit you know because nothing is standard size in these old houses oh right so it's not like a standard door which by the way is why i got to measure the refrigerator really carefully because it's not a standard 36 inch door it has to be custom made with custom made side lights to fit exactly in the opening that's you know because they're not reframed anyway they they have to spec that out and they spec that out wrong they spec out the wrong color so they unwrap the thing i'm like nope sorry that's not you know and so so they eat that cost right even eating that cost i feel like they made plenty of profit on my job and so that's how i think they get around being constantly like behind the eight ball if you're bad at your job you're you're going to be like oh we're barely running out of money for this to get and we have to get another to do that if you're really really good at your job you can charge even more like i imagine what the silver brothers charge if you're really good at your job, you can charge so much money that like your margins are just massive and you have business, you know, you can like pick and choose your business and they're fine. Like that's, that's like the high end, right? That they, they charge a lot of money because they deserve a lot of money. And because they have a lot of money, then you are, then you are not victim to like people going off to do some other job. Like a lot of the people who are working on, on my house worked for this company but also had like their own businesses and their own jobs like the siding oh, guys are like but also you, know. you don't have to worry about them committing to some absolutely atrocious lie because there's simply no way they could afford it yeah because they just want they need to close the deal so well, like because yes, they can't by, they literally yeah. can't do anything else and so there has to be a lie a lie agreed upon right like oh yeah no your job will be done in two weeks right and they'll just say that to, to get you to you know agree to it and then once your house is half torn apart what are you going to do like you know or, or there's the contractors the other thing i've heard about the contractors who tear your house half apart and then disappear and you never hear from them again mm-hmm. like you didn't pay them all the money you just paid them enough for like half the job and they did half the job and then you never hear from them again that's terrifying yeah, don't live in a house. That's, no, I think no. that's the lesson that we learn. If you could just like sort of exist as pure energy floating <laughs> through space, like in a Star Trek episode, some kind of a containment better. facility. Not even uh, containment, because a containment facility seems like that. That's that still going like, to have rot. doors. Yeah, yeah, it could rot. So you really just want to be in the vacuum. <laughs>